everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily. Of course, he covers the NBA for The Athletic. And I believe, didn't Sam tell us last week that he would be down in the bubble by now? I'm not sure. No, I didn't think so. Not yet, but he could be. Who knows? He is uh, headed down there at some point. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I thought he told us last week he was going down there, but uh, uh, I could be wrong. So we'll talk to Sam here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the Jazz as well as the NBA return. We've seen some kind of startling upsets I wouldn't have predicted, and uh, we're seeing the Jazz rest. If you're just joining us, the Jazz are resting basically the whole team tomorrow. The only starter that's playing is Joe Ingles. Everybody else has taken the night off. How do you feel about that, Jake? How do you think fans should feel about that? Well, I mean, fans want to see good basketball, so if I'm a fan, I'm probably a little grumpy. I'm not going to see the Jazz best players, but I think it's the smart thing for them to do. Because of the back-to-back? Because of the back-to-back, and I think rest and uh, those sorts of things are going to be a factor when it comes to uh, when it comes to the playoffs, and I think if the Jazz are going to give themselves a chance to win a first-round series, they have to be healthy, have to be healthy. So if that means resting on uh, you know the front side of a back-to-back, I think it's probably pretty smart on the team's uh, uh, from the team's standpoint. You know, I wonder. We talked about the matchups. If if the Jazz are four or five, either four or five, does that uh, make any difference to you versus if they fall to six? No, I mean it, it's all about who they play. They would probably who would they play in the first the round? The Nuggets ever? if they if they fell to six. Well, if the Nuggets stay where they're at. Do you see that the uh, that the Thunder beat the Lakers, and the Lakers have not played particularly well in the bubble. Uh, they beat the Jazz, but uh, they're struggling a little bit offensively. So, but they were able to overcome the Jazz because the Jazz played so poorly. Well, and uh, the I we've talked about this. How much do the Lakers have to play for? They've already sealed up the number one seed, whatever that means. And yeah. so, I don't know if their heart's really in it. And that's something you brought up the other day. Uh, after they play the Jazz. Uh, right now, Denver, by the way, is two games in front of the Jazz, two and a half in front of Oklahoma City and Houston. So that's uh, kind of your look at the standings. Uh, Sam is ready to go. Let's go ahead and get to your NBA Daily Assist. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Sis brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From The Athletic, our friend Sam Amick. What's happening, Sam? What's going on, guys? Good afternoon. It's good to have you on the show, as usual. Good afternoon to you, to you as well. Uh, I understand you have some exciting, uh, groundbreaking material to tease on the big show today. Man, we're getting right to it. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just telling Austin off air that uh, I, I feel like there's a subconscious, uh, and this is a good thing, but a, like this ripple effect of our weekly chats on the station here is I, I've 
you know, I, over the time, over the last couple of years, I, I've become a little bit more jazz centric. And this morning, chatted with Joe Ingles, uh, who I know you guys talk to a lot, and and uh, going to write about it uh, for tomorrow morning. But circling back with Joe on on kind of just you know, we had spoken going into the bubble experience about his concerns and um, you know everything with the jazz specifically everything with Donovan and Rudy and the backstory. And so, you know, like always, Joe's a, a straight shooter and, and gave a lot of really good perspective on where they're at as a team. And, you know, and so I look forward to getting into that. I guess the takeaway for me was that uh, team dynamics-wise, they seem to be in a very good place. Um, you know, he's coming off his best offensive game of the year and, you know, talked about that a bit and, and just uh, even – Honestly, guys, the most interesting stuff might have been his thoughts on the – because this applies to every player – is having to retrain the mind in that environment because he typically is the kind of person who likes to cut the basketball off the second he leaves the arena. And now, because you don't have family around you and because you're around your team all the time, you know, he was admitting that – there's a little bit of them, like, you know, you obsess over every play. You think about every game way more than you're used to. And that kind of kind of mind game I, I thought was really interesting. So, as always, he was a, a good conversation. Sam, did you talk with Joe at all about the desire the team has for him and for anybody who observes this team to be more aggressive, to take more shots? Because when he does – he helps the team win, and when he doesn't, he fades away a little bit. Uh, did you uh, mention that? So, I mean, I guess the answer, Gordon, would be no, and that's going to disappoint Jazz fans. We didn't get – because that was on my mind going into the, the chat. We didn't ultimately get into the nitty-gritty that much in that regard. But I, I would say that I think it, you know, it ties into what he shared about – where his head was at, because I think what he was essentially saying is that going into the last game, what he thinks, he's like, listen, I I can't promise that if I do this every time it's going to work, but what he did differently from the previous couple of games was binging on Netflix. Uh, There was a show, The World's Toughest Prisons, that he just kind of laughed. He's like, you know, I found it interesting, and and, and so I watched this show for a very long time, and then he listened to it a non-basketball podcast uh, leading all the way up until his tip-off time. And, and then the point was that it just he, – he was closer to the normal psychological center that he might have been at at home versus what appears to have been a little bit of a kind of, you know, focusing too much uh, on his role. And, and so I don't know if that translated to aggressiveness. He looked great. The other day, I mean, I gave him a hard time about that late three that kind of decided the game. He looked like a you know a little kid out there where he was trying to wheel that that ball in from the right corner. He jumped when it was still above the backboard, which made me laugh. Um, but but certainly that version of Joe Ingles is always going to be better for the Jazz. 
Sam Amick of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And uh, we've, I feel like a broken record asking you over and over and over again about Mike Conley and getting adjusted and his game. And, Sam, he's been really good so far in the bubble. I mean, we're seeing uh, kind of the buzzword. We're seeing Memphis Mike again. And Quinn Snyder talked uh, after the game yesterday and talked about how used the word comfortable and wanted him to go play his game. But your thoughts on Mike and what we're seeing uh, currently with his game? Yeah, he's looked good. I mean, comfort is big for Mike because at his best, you know, he's such a smooth player. And um, what struck me from their last game was, especially early, was he just was finishing everything. And I feel like a lot of this first season in Utah, that just wasn't the case. And, and there was a lack of sharpness to his game where, uh, and not trying to be glib because I can not in a million years relate to these dudes from a competitive standpoint, but in my extremely mediocre pickup days, like I was the master of the, you know, the incredible move that gets you to the rim and then not finishing. And there was way too much of that for Mike's taste during this season. Uh, and it was weird to watch because it's not what we saw all those years in Memphis. And I had always gotten the sense that, you know, he and I had talked about, the system and the wiring and, and his own mental approach that that was challenging for him. So uh, he looked comfortable and it's crazy in general from Mike to any of these other guys. Like what I've enjoyed so far about the Orlando experience is that because there's so much value attached to every game, like these, these new narratives, um, they just emerge very quickly. And if they continue, you know, guys have a real opportunity to, to change their own narrative, to change their own story. Mike's that kind of a guy. Now, it can go, you know, one way or the other. Um, you know, another positive one that I have right in front of me right now, the Phoenix Suns about to remain undefeated, um, you know, in Orlando. And that's just, that's crazy in general, but it's also the equivalent of, you know, like a 10-game winning streak based on per-game value. And um, so Mike being that guy, just like with Joe, if they got a, you know, a prayer at all of being – in a lead title contender here without Bogdanovich, then those, you know, those are the guys that are going to certainly be at their best. Sam, what's your opinion on teams that, uh, that go small? I mean, the Jazz have done that a lot uh, now, and that Rudy Gobert is out there kind of by himself, and then with a bunch of other guys who, who leave it up to him to do the rebounding, to do the uh, you know the defensive duties and whatnot? Do you like that idea? I know Houston is trying to do, has done that for a while. Will that work? Um, I mean, it's right. You know, Houston has had some really good moments, and it's intriguing. But it you know the, it it's certainly. I mean, call it gimmicky, call it uh, unconventional, whatever descriptive, you know, phrase or label you want to put on it, it's a just an incredibly stark change from the way we're used to watching basketball. And so, like, the Rockets are getting destroyed on the boards, and they just know that going in. And then they play the numbers game, you know, when it comes to, I mean, I think in that uh, two games ago, I'm forgetting if it was Lakers, um, you know, they tied the NBA record for threes attempted in regulation, 61, I believe. And it's a formula, you know what I mean? I mean, is it going to work? Um, it's going to work against some teams, you know, and, and it's going to put a guy like Rudy in, in you know, I mean, that's where, to Rudy's credit, he's gotten better the last couple of years at his ability to defend on the perimeter and just not 
you can't be a giraffe out there. You can't have the legs, you know, look wobbly and 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 have the other squad basically just picking on him for all 48 minutes. Um, and so he's had to adjust and evolve and improve defensively than he has. But you know, it's it's going to work to a degree. I mean, do I think that's going to be what ultimately decides who the, who's going to win the whole thing? No, but I'm not betting against it. I mean, because the Rockets' firepower. That, uh, that we're going to see again tonight when they, they play the Lakers, although I think Rick Westbrook's not playing. But, um, you know, it, it's intriguing, and it, it leaves you open in some areas and and also, uh, you know, better off in others. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us, your daily assist, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, who do you like right now in that horse race for the eighth spot in the West? Man, I don't know anymore. Memphis is uh, is, is making it super interesting because they just can't get a W. So um, I hate to admit it. I kind of love that. No offense to, you know, you have uh, some regional, uh, regionally displaced Grizzlies fans in, in your area, but that's just instantly making it, you know, more interesting. And if I'm gra- I don't know. I mean, it's gotta be the Blazers at this point. I think, um, you know, we knew going in that they were this outlier of a team that had basically gotten healthy during the shutdown with Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic getting back. And next thing you know, you combine that with, you know, Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench. Like that's, this dude was leading the league and I, I believe rebounding and, and um, right there in blocks coming in. And now he's been really good off the bench, you know, and Carmelo Anthony is coming in as skinny, uh, skinny mellow playing the three and just hitting some huge shots early on they they dropped the one game to boston but i mean you know they're pretty close to being perfect so far so probably portland you know i mean this is a team that got to the conference finals last year and and i wouldn't be picking them over the lakers if they ended up playing them in the first round but uh it's certainly the the type of thing that you know could be a six-game series so i think portland i mean san antonio has been showing some really good fight um the fun part for the fans is that Really, even with some teams not playing well, like nobody's completely out of it yet. I mean, Phoenix, because they were coming back from so far, is legitimately in this thing. You know, the Kings beating the Pelicans today, essentially, you know, and not essentially, it puts them neck and neck. So um, four games to go, I believe, and uh, and I think it should be some fun drama when it comes to that race. Before all this got restarted, Sam, people were talking about the potential for injuries. Ben Simmons with the dislocated knee, what does that mean? It's terrible. I mean, I was excited that the East seemed to have some real um, just kind of a neat intrigue when it came to the best of the best. And Boston's got, you know, they, they don't have enough bigs and, and they struggle in certain areas, but I like their grid and they have great coaching and Jason Tatum emerging, so I was like, all right, Boston's for real. Um, yeah, everybody knows what the Bucks can do, but then Toronto, we, we slept on them all year. Um, this, uh, I hate to admit this because I should have been looking this up months ago, but I was amazed when I looked at the Raptors' numbers, and, and they were actually better statistically this year than they were last year with Kawhi Leonard. Um, then you get to Philly, and what Brett Brown – you know, and Elton Brand, the GM, had done with the choice to, you know, put Al Horford on the bench, Shake Milton coming into the starting lineup, and the idea being, you know, let's get the best of Ben Simmons and let's not um, put him in a position where he and Joel Embiid don't, you know, 
uh, kind of complement each other all that well when, when Ben's got the ball in his hands all the time. Um, and it, I thought it was a great approach. And Shake had a, a, a huge game-winning shot the other day. and just seemed like Philly was going to go in a good direction. And Ben, I can't remember a player in recent history who is so widely criticized so often as like the narrative and the idea with Ben is that he has not come anywhere close to reaching his own ceiling yet has already gotten himself to an all NBA level. Like that's, that's quite an achievement to be perceived as an underachiever, but to achieve a, that kind of a level, if that makes sense. All of which is to say, it just sucks that this injury happened and it seems like he's going to be on the shelf for a while. And it certainly changes everything about, you know, where Philly falls in this whole mix. And it's just a bummer because it seemed like, um, you know, the uniqueness of the shutdown and, and now having everybody in Orlando in the same spot, that it was going to create a lot of uh, fun parody in the East, and, and that took a blow with this injury. Before we let you go, Sam, just a, a quick reset. We can uh, You've got that piece with Joe Ingles that's uh, coming out tomorrow and uh, a podcast element as well. Is that correct? I think so. Um, I appreciate the plug. The, the story will just have, you know, at minimum, some – perspective from Joe in a, in a league-wide notebook that I'm going to put out in the morning. Uh, and then I think we'll probably just use a fair amount of that interview on the podcast, Tampering, which part of the Athletic NBA show uh, network, and, and shameless plug there, guys. I, I think it's on your radar, but we now have podcasts every day from five different shows, Monday through Friday, mine just being one of them. Sweet. And it's a, it's a great follow. Uh, it, you know, with David Aldridge has got Hoops of Jason, his pod, and uh, Ethan Strauss and Marcus Thompson on point of contention and the you know five pods in all. Um, so mine publishes on Tuesdays, tampering, and, and Joe uh, should be on there as well. Well, we're looking uh, forward to it, Sam. I appreciate you uh, jumping on. Sorry, Gordon, did I cut you off? I was just going to ask uh, Sam. We know you're going down there. Do you know when? Yeah, I leave August twentieth. Um, it's going to be. I mean, it's you know I'm going to put my big boy pants on and stop complaining about it at some point because I am lucky to have the opportunity but it is it, this is something Joe and I talked about it, it's a culture shock lifestyle wise because you know I mean it's it, obviously a lot goes into it in order for the bubble to be safe so leaving August 20th have to go get tested outside the bubble on the 21st if that's negative which you certainly hope it is then you quarantine for a day then you go in the bubble quarantine seven more days and then eventually around a, what should be, I think, August 28th or 9th, uh, then I would be getting to work inside the bubble. So, uh, you know, and Joe's not going to be the only one binging on, uh, on Netflix uh, anytime soon. I was going to say, I hope you take a good book. <laughs> I know, man. Books. I'm already, I bought myself a, a little JBL speaker just so I could have some tunes in the room and podcast listening. And, and it was uh, kind of joking with my wife that, you know, I'm not much of a gamer video game-wise, but with that kind of free time, you know, maybe I need to, to bring a PlayStation in there or something because, I mean, it's, it's a small hotel room for, for an entire week. So uh, wish me luck. Yeah, wild. But Good you know water. what? I, I, I don't want to speak for Gordon, but I am super jealous. I, I, I think it would be just such a unique experience. I know not easy necessarily, but it, it feels so historic. If you're an NBA fan that uh, this has never happened before, I'm, I'm jealous you could have witnessed it up close. That's good perspective, Jake. I, and I hear you for sure. And like everybody else in this experience, I think everybody's conflicted. Like, um, because it is. I mean, I'm lucky to have the opportunity, and I am getting the professional part of me is getting excited 
the closer I get to it. But I told Joe this quick story. Like, I was fixing my oldest son's bike last night and thinking to myself, all right, well, in about a month, the poor guy's going to not have that kind of help and got to just kind of deal with, with dad not being around for a while. So you're mixed on it, but um, but certainly a, a historic thing that, that I look forward to being part of. I think when you're looking back at it, Sam, it'll it'll – You'll be glad you did it after it's all said and done, you know, and especially if you, right. can, you know, stay healthy and all that. Yep, no, I agree. I'm with you, Sam. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to next week, of course. You got it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Talk to you soon. You too. There you go. Our friend Sam Amick from the Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and he's See, always we do can, what, we, count we, we do radio. What, we do what we can to uh, influence our friends who uh, have national reach to pay a little more attention to the jazz. And it sounds like it's worked with Sam. Well, I'm excited for his, uh, his piece on Joe Ingles. I look forward to that tomorrow. And, and next Tuesday said is when kind of the podcast is, is coming out. And I, yeah, I, I'm with you, Gordon. I like it that he pays a little extra attention because uh, we require him to be familiar when he jumps on uh, each and every week. So that's kind of a fun byproduct. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, uh, Bob Casper is going to join the show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone it's time to talk a little golf uh pga championship going on at tpc harding park in san francisco of course uh, this you went to golf 97.5 and 1280 the zone uh sports network update with bob casper is brought to you by mountain land supply zions bank hoops vision siegfried and jensen and get some guns and ammo and uh and get some excuse me guns and ammo Need to, to read a little bit better. And now, of course, from Real Golf Radio is our friend Bob Casper. Bob, I just totally butchered your intro. That was terrible. No, 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 no. It was good. <laughs> I like that. Get some. Get some. <laughs> Guns and ammo. What's going yeah. on, Bob? How are you? I'm doing well. Other than sitting here at home and not at Harding Park, I'm doing well. Man, it's a, it's a weird world we're living in right now, Bob, but I'm sure happy that uh, the PGA figured out a way to, to keep golf going, man. It's been great yep. to, to tune in and feel a little bit normal. What are you doing yeah, about get that the golf first... course, Bob? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting course. It was one that was built back in the, like the early nine, 1900s, um, and, and it's a golf course that a lot of great players have played on. Johnny Miller grew up playing that golf course, uh, Ken Venturi. Um, my dad has won a golf tournament on that golf course um, in 19, I think it was in 1968. And uh, in 66, two years prior, right across the, the lake, Lake Merced there, um, my dad won the U.S. Open there in 1966 at Wingfoot. But um, Harding Park is a, is a great golf course. It's been refurbished. Um, it's had a President's Cup. Um, it's had um, uh, an American Express WGC event. Um, it's also had a match play event, and Tiger won the the American Express event. Rory won the match play event, and the the Presidents Cup event. Um, the U.S. team won. Tiger was five and zero that week in, in the five matches that he played in. So, um, but it's a great golf course. It's got beautiful cypress trees, um, and big, huge cypress trees, and and the guys really love how they've set it up in the golf course in in general. Tiger must like it. He had a pretty good day today, right? Yeah, he shot a couple under par. 
um, had uh, what four four birdies and two bogeys, and um, you know he, he he gave up a he gave up a few shots, but for the most part, um, it's it's the best round. 68 is the best round he's shot in a major championship since 2012. So this is a, this is a good start for him. He does he normally doesn't start real fast, but uh, but it was a really good start for him. And if he um, if he uh, is able to play equally as well or better tomorrow, it will really bode well for him. I read a story somewhere that he uh, on uh, this is one of the weird things about playing on a golf course where the gallery is not there. Where he uh, he let a profanity rip after a bad shot. Uh, that, that never happens on the tour, does it? Oh, he he does it whether fans are there or not. He lets it rip. <laughs> so <laughs> no, yeah, it it happens with it happens with all the guys. They get frustrated with themselves, and absolutely, they let them go. Nobody loves uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, of course, but these players have got to be loving playing without galleries, right? Not hearing mashed potatoes after every time they hit the ball. <laughs> well, I think you know, I think a, a lot of that, and what guys are saying, you know, let the big old dog eat or mashed potatoes or whatever. I think you know, a lot of guys are are happy that's not happening, but you know, it, it's for the for the big name players having a. a a crowd or a gallery, I think, is a benefit to them. Um, it allows them to kind of feel like they've got a home home field advantage. Um, people people scream and yell, and you hear it on other parts of the golf course. And it and it uh, you know it 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 puts you know thoughts in people's minds. You know, golf is a mental game and that kind of thing. So I think I think it, yeah, for the for the for the um, the best players in the world, it's difficult. It's it's not as much of an advantage, but for the the lesser known players, I think it is an advantage that that they aren't out there because a lot of these guys are used to playing uh, college golf or used to playing on on mini tours or uh, you know the corn ferry tour or whatever where you don't see a lot of fans, and so um, it feels more comfortable for them. Drive it, Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Gordon. I like that. Way to go! There, there's some uh, Bob. There's some nice names uh, that are up there near the top yeah. of the leaderboard at this point. Is there anybody in particular that you have your eye on? Jason Day well, is uh, at the top, Jason and then you Day, got Z- yeah, Zach Johnson and Brooks Koepka. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I you know Brooks is Brooks has won the last two PGA Championships. So he's a uh, he's this is a he's trying to defend for the second time, um, become a, a, a third time winner of the PGA championship consecutively. So um, beautiful round of golf. He played, he shot four under 66. You know, you got Zach Johnson that's up there. You've got Xander Shoffley. You've got uh, Jason Day, who is a former PGA championship winner. And then, you know, you go down just a little bit. You got Tony at three under par. He played a great round of golf, but he missed some short putts in his first nine holes today. That could have been a lot better for him as far as, um, you know, his scorecard is concerned. And then, like you said, like we've talked about Tiger Woods at two under par, um, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau's at two under par. It was interesting. I was watching the broadcast just a few minutes ago and he broke his driver shaft. So uh, he was allowed to replace that driver shaft. Um, he, he didn't break it in a fit of anger or anything like that. He went to lean on it and it just snapped. So it's kind of interesting. So he's replaced that now. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of good players right up at the top of the leaderboard. 
One of those good players, Bob, of course, Tony Finau, who we always yep. dial in on, of course, uh, three under mm-hmm. 67. Is this um, is this course a good fit for him? And what do you think about the start he's off to? Well, I think it is a good fit for him. And he's really playing well right now. He played well, um, extremely well uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, that, that he was in contention. He was in contention at Memorial. He was in contention the week after. Um, so he's been at the 3M. So he's been doing, he's been doing really well. Didn't, didn't play so well last week, but you know, that's okay. And and then you come into the PGA championship and you have a pretty good, pretty good start and a pretty good opportunity. So um, Tony, Tony's hitting the ball. Well, he hits it adequately, adequately in distance, which will really help him around this golf course. And as long as he can putt the ball, well, he's going to be right there in the mix and have a chance. I want to ask you about his putting because that is, if there's a weakness in his game, that's it, right? What does he have to do to, uh, to 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 capitalize on his full potential? Well, I think he's I think he's kind of streaky. He gets going and he puts he puts puts extremely well at times. Um, you know, it's it's just a matter of getting the ball in the hole um, and doing it the way that and and putting is such an individualistic type of um, thing. You know, you see guys that like Bryson that run the putter up his, his left arm. Um, you know, Tony, Tony putts with a different type of grip. Phil Mickelson putts with a different type of grip with his hands on the club. Um, so it's, it's individualistic and it's all a matter of getting the ball in the hole. Uh, there's certain fundamentals that you have to do, keep your head still, um, that kind of thing, because if there's too much movement, then the ball gets offline. Bob, you were the best. We look forward to yours and Brian's coverage, uh, as always, and we'll be dialed in to Real Golf Radio Saturday morning as well. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Bob. That's our friend Bob Casper giving us a little update on the PGA Championship. Rooting for Tony. I love it that we've got a a, a local boy on tour, uh, Gordon. It makes it fun to to root in these tournaments. I, I would imagine there are a lot of uh, sports fans in this market that feel the same, right? Well, he does live in Arizona now, doesn't he? I heard that that he that he moved down there, but that's. But he's from here. I mean, he's come on. No, oh, I I totally agree. But uh, honestly, if I were in his position, I'd consider a move to Arizona too, just because of the weather year round, right? Hmm. Maybe he has a place here too. I mean, this is a guy's got. Uh, we talked to Bob about his potential. It's, he's going to win, and he's going to win a lot. I hope so. He he seems he's certainly an easy guy to root for. That's for sure. He's got Do that, you know that old personality. Tony is now? Oh, he's got to be mid to late twenties, right? Mm. Again, we you know time Austin, does go by. We can we can Google these things, you know. Yeah, but okay, Google. I... How old is Tony Fee now? Yeah, they make it they make it pretty easy to discover these. Cannot things. determine he's the 30. age. He's thirty. He was born September fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Wow, the years do go by, don't they? That they do. All right, stay tuned. We've got not sports pork coming up next. Kristen Kinney at five. It's the big show, ninety seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. Uh, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you each and every day by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. 
Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Kristen Kinney will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Phoenix. Lovely at this time of year. <laughs> Indeed. There is a coffee shop in Phoenix, and I don't know if they have uh, you know, franchises other places, but it's called Bikini Beans Coffee. All right. Why is it called that? Well, I don't know why it's called that, but the employees who work at Bikini Beans Coffee are mostly women between the ages of 18 and 20, uh, early 20s, and they wear bikinis. And you don't know why it's called Bikini Beans? Well, I don't know if that that's the reason, you know, who, what came first, the chicken or the egg. But apparently... According to a report in the Phoenix New Times, life is not exactly a beach at Bikini Beans Coffee. The coffee shop says in its brochure that uh, the baristas there wear skimpy swimwear as a part of, quote, empowerment, freedom, functionality, and togetherness. Bikini Beans is more than just a bikini coffee shop. It's a powerhouse that uplifts coffee enthusiasts, tea drinkers, and protein shake lovers alike through women empowerment and customer care. The problem is that a number of former employees are filing some sort of lawsuit against them for harsh working conditions that uh, the employees suffer exploitation at the hands of ruthless and abusive uh, employers who take advantage of the fact that their employees rely on minimum wage, have zero bargaining power, and just don't know any better, according to an attorney representing said former employees. Now, I guess my question is, what does wearing a bikini have to do with making some brew? It doesn't. And, and so all this talk about it empowering women, is that really just an excuse to lure people in because there's a bunch of young women there in bikinis? That seems to be a marketing concept, sure. That's just, I don't know, it just seemed odd to me. And the fact that at Bikini Beans Coffee, there's this turmoil uh, it, it, it about harsh working conditions and, and poor treatment, I, I find that ironic somehow. And apparently the owners are denying all this, saying that they treat their employees well and blah, 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 blah. But I, I just don't get the connection between bikinis and coffee. So it seems that seems like something out of, you know, the 50s or something or some bygone era. Doesn't exactly seem empowering to me. Why? It seems it does seem just by its nature, doesn't it seem somewhat exploitative? Yeah, but isn't it empowering to do that if you want? I guess if you want to. And apparently some people want to because they do have employees there. But there are some who are unhappy with the way things work. I just just think that would be a little surprising. You know, you you go in to get a cup of coffee and – you got a bunch of women running around in really skimpy beachwear and uh, and sneakers. Why did we pick this story? This doesn't seem like any story to me. 
I don't know. Jake, you don't take your coffee whilst in a bikini? No, I'm usually... When are you in a bikini? I'm usually in my underwear brewing it at home. But ah. I don't think, you know, what uh, what uh, what people are wearing. I don't I don't understand why this is a, a story. They can they can uh, uh, deliver coffee however they want. I wonder if the coffee's good. I don't. There's no mention of that in the story. What about the chicken wings? Nice, topical, and hilarious. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, no, I'm never mind. I'm not going to the go coffee down that. at Magic City. I'm not going to go down that. How does uh, Lou Williams take his road. coffee? <laughs> I wonder how Lou Williams does take his coffee. Just explain to me how bikinis and coffee beans go hand in hand. They don't. Well, that to me is why it's a story, and the fact that the former employees are filing a lawsuit against them. I know, but the former employees who companies all the time it doesn't necessarily make it to the not sports report yeah i just i just think the bikini uh coffee bean thing caught me off guard well we used to do ads for bikini haircuts on this station what do bikinis have to do with cutting hair nothing remember that that was a long time ago wasn't it that was a long time ago hmm. have you ever gotten your hair cut by someone wearing a bikini nope <laughs> I only get my haircut whilst in a bikini. <laughs> All right, Kristen Kenny joins the show. Let's hope she's not listening to this segment. Uh, coming oh, up no next, one is. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.